0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Chapel Puerto Vallarta live stream. We are doing Mana for Breakfast and we want to invite you guys to join along with us. We are in First Kings 16 through 18 today, and uh, Acts 13, just the first half of, of 13. So we will get into the word directly. Father, thank you for this morning, and we um, ask you to use this time to edify us, God, to give us strength and to guide us, God, through your word, so we know how to live in these turbulent days that we, we have, in Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 17. Elijah predicts drought. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, Go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a little water and a jar that I might drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Perhaps bring me a piece of bread In your hand and she said as the Lord your God lives I have no bread only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in a jar and behold I am gathering a few sticks that I may go to prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die and Elijah said to her do not fear go do as you have said but make me a little bread cake from it first bring it out to me and afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son for thus says the Lord God of Israel The bowl of flour shall not be exalted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Verse 17, Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and the sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring me iniquity, to remembrance, and to put my son to death. And he said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room, where he was living, and he laid him on his own bed. And he called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God. And I know that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. Chapter 18. Verse one, now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah sent to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in the cave and provided them with bread and water. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water, and to all the valleys, perhaps we will find grass, and keep the horses and mules alive, and not have to kill some of the cattle. So they divided the land between them to survey, and Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went the other way by himself. Now as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he recognized him, and fell on his face, and said, Is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, It is I. Go, say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What sin have I committed, that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. And when they said, He is not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear that they could not find him. And now you are saying, go, said your master, behold, Elijah is here. It will come about when I leave you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you where I do not know. So when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord that I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water? And now you are saying, Go say to my master, Behold, Elijah is here, and he will then kill me. Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives for whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have because you have forsaken the commands of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophet together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one oxen for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then I will prepare another ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put fire under it. Then you will call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, it is a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves, according to their custom, with swords and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. When midday was past, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the oxen in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar and also filled the trench with water. At that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel today, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now Elisha said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So I have went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now. Look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go back seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black and the clouds and the wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he outran Ahab to Jezreel. Wow, you've got to appreciate the, the drama and the intensity of what was going on there with Elijah. So in all of the beginning of his ministry, we're moving into the time of these mighty prophets in, because we're in the division of Israel north and the south. And God still has a heart for those in the north, even though Jeroboam has blown it and, and these other sons of Jeroboam that are coming about are also causing the people to fall into gross immorality and idolatry. Uh, he sends the prophets And Elijah, major prophet, comes on the scene to minister to those people that were straying from God, from the north and from the south. And he comes to them to minister to them and to challenge them to reflect on who is really God. And we see at first he calls for famine. Again, it's to get the people's attention. Most people won't pay attention and really think about heavenly things or about God if their life is going well, if they have plenty of money, plenty of food, everything's fine. It's when they have nothing that they start really thinking about what's the purpose of life, why am I here, what's real. This happens to the widow, and of course God sends her to her, and we see now that he's establishing himself in Israel as a mighty prophet that has the power to stop the rain, has the power, this is why Ahab's been looking for him, somehow they know it's because of him the rain has stopped. He also has the power to shall multiply, not the loaves and the fishes, but here the oil and the bread. The oil and the grain and so he's able to maintain food for this one faithful widow and her son but then he also has the power god gives him the power to resurrect from the dead and don't you know everybody knew about that this wasn't an isolated thing all the people in the land would have heard of this would have understood it would have known it and would have talked about it and said so it's because of elijah that we have the droughts elijah has this kind of power over life and death and so they would have highly respected him, which then gives him this ability to challenge Ahab and Jezebel, which pop on the scene right now. They've led the people into worship of Baal, far, far away from God, and the people had turned away. So he did brings up this challenge to all the prophets of Baal so that he can show and call people back. Is not was much to condemn the people; it was to condemn Ahab and Jezebel, but to invite the people back to show by this power. So God is the God who can bring down or fire from heaven. He is the Almighty God. He proves himself here to be the only God, and that Baal has no power at all, when, <laughs> at all, anyway, but no power. God Himself is challenging them. They have a certain amount of power; these fallen de- demons have a certain amount of power to deceive people and to do certain things. But in this instant, God would not allow them manifest to manifest anything to the people. And then of course, they're dealt with, Their justice of God is being brought back. They These prophets are killed. Remember, Jezebel had been killing the prophets of Yahweh. And so now God is striking back for that. And now we see that God is, is now, has the opportunity at least, to try and get the people of Israel to repent. Chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Now there was at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues to the Jews, and they they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of the Lord. But Elimas, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness will you not cease to make crooked the straight way of the lord now behold the hand of the lord is upon you and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time and immediately a mist of darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand then the proconsul believed when they saw what had happened being amazed at the teaching of the lord now paul and his companions put out to see a Paphos. And came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But going on from Perga, they arrived at Presidian Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue, the officials sent to them, saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. When he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all which took about 450 years. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he had removed him, he raised up Daniel to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, after John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Paul's proclamation going far and wide, being sent by the Holy Spirit into the synagogues was very simple to make them understand their Bible, their Old Testament, that God had sent Jesus by his own volition, by his plan, and that it was all a part of the plan of leading the people out of Egypt to establish them in a land, to make them mighty, to grow them in prominence amongst the nations of the world, so then he could bring forth the Messiah to the world, They, the nation of Israel, were the avenue by which God was going to bless the world, going back to Genesis 12 or 15. And he is now proclaiming this to the people in the synagogue who were well-versed in everything in the history of Israel. And he's connecting the dots for them. This is what the New Testament does with the Old Testament. Connects the dots so we understand. And this is why it's it's, uh, beneficial for us to read the Old Testament in context and then read it in context of the new, and read them both together. So we see these things laid out for us. Of course, we see Mark leaving the the whole missionary tour, going back to Jerusalem. That's going to cause an issue in the future. But Paul and Barnabas now beginning a phenomenal missionary journey, and uh, which is going to be super fruitful. We're going to see now they're going to go to the Gentiles, and the, so many are going to be saved. The Jews are going to Respond but not like the Gentiles. They're gonna hear it but mostly reject it and try and kill him because they're gonna go, no way. We don't believe you. We don't believe Jesus could be the Messiah, and then they'll try and kill him for that. Charles Spurgeon Matthew four four Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Oh, this is a good one to read right after Elijah. Uh, being with the widow right (laughs) surviving on bread alone in water for a long time but as an example of of just god's faithfulness then time and drought if god so willed it we shall live without bread even as jesus did for 40 days but he could not live without the word by the word we were created and by it alone we will be kept being for he sustaineth all things by the word of his power bread is a second cause the Lord himself is the first source of our sustenance. He can work without the second cause as well as with it. And we must not tie him down to one mode of operation. Let us not be too eager after the visible, but let us look to the invisible God. We have heard believers say that in deep poverty, when bread ran short, Their appetites became short too. And to others, when common supplies failed, the Lord had sent an unexpected help. We must have the word of the Lord. With this alone, we can understand the devil. Take this from us, and our enemy will have us in his power. For we shall soon faint. Our souls need food, and there is none of them outside the word of the Lord. All the books and all the preachers of the world cannot furnish us a single meal. It is only the word from the mouth of God that can fill the mouth of a believer. Lord, evermore, give us this bread. We prize it above royal dainties. Hence the name manna for breakfast. This is why we come every morning seeking it. And the benefit is more than we can know, more than we can even sense, because we cannot live by simple outward sustenance, feeding our bodies. We can exist, but that's not life. Life as God meant it to be is life, knowing him, walking with him, knowing our purpose, knowing that we are loved, and knowing where we're going. Apart from that, we're just existing. So this is why we have that beautiful verse. "That Man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how we live. Amazing. Let's pray. Thank you. Lord God, for giving us your man every morning and for sustaining us and even causing our growth and bringing in into our sphere a sense of peace and tranquility even of just being relaxed, knowing that you are the God of our salvation. It's going to work out in the end. As that widow was called to, by an act of faith to produce a piece of bread, her last piece of bread for this prophet God, she chose to believe that you could provide she chose to believe in the word of God that was being given to her by the prophet. It was your word. She chose to believe it. By that, you sustained her spiritually, but also physically. And so we thank you. We know that you can do this. We know that you have done it. Would you pray for anyone who needs the provision of food in their household, that you would come and provide that. But more than that, God, you would provide for them that beautiful sense of your strength and your power as we come to know you, that it would go beyond the physical and we would feel satisfied in our inner beings, that we are full, we've received everything we need for life and godliness to live in this world. Thank you, God, for that. Special prayer for those this day that have challenges, whether it be food, financial, or health, that you touch their lives and bless their lives. Pray for the United States of America, celebrating its birth, its forming of a nation, God, as it's been attacked and being destroyed by the enemy is trying everything possible to rip you out of the constitution and rip you out of the hearts of men god we pray for a last harvest and that you would rise up in the hearts of men that you are the god of this nation and you are mightier than any of the bales you're mightier than any of the false gods and God, we are at the crossroads where the nation has to decide whether it's going to reject you like Israel did or come back to you. We just pray that you would move in the hearts of people here and Canada and Mexico and all nations, God, because it's being attacked everywhere, that we would come back and seek you as the, the God of our fathers, the God who established us and our nations, and that you're once again calling us to make be bold witnesses for you and to trust you faithfully and the things that you are doing in our nations, the things you're calling us to do, and help us, God, to be the kind of missionaries that Barnabas and Saul were, going out boldly, sharing your word, helping people see that there is a God who lives, a God who cares, a God who's willing to forgive. So thank you for this wonderful time, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys again, and we will continue this tomorrow at the same time. God bless you guys. (music) Bye-bye.